As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Sign up Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the Honey, don't fight the future. The future is Luca. The timing sucks because the maps are ass. But did you see his no look pass? Whoa! 77 minutes in heaven. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The only Mavericks podcast that doesn't have anything to talk about, which is an essential part of podcasts. I'm Tim Cato. I'll explain that Wait. in a second. I'm Tim Cato. Hey, hang on. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm going to explain this. I'm going to explain this. I'm Tim Cato. I'll write and talk about the Mavericks for the Athletic. We've got the usual crew, Dave and Mike. Uh, let's just launch into this. Basically, here's my issue. I don't understand this team. Or like, oh, okay, perfect. I I don't, I don't find them interesting. I, I, every interesting thing that we were going to learn about the season, we have not learned because either it's Christos Porzingis who has been injured for not more than half the year now. Um, I should say we're recording this Wednesday night before the game against the Spurs. You will probably listen to this after the game against the Spurs. Uh, So we will not have updated takes on whatever happens there. Uh, All signs point to him playing. But all of the interesting things about the Mavericks um, or all the interesting things about a basketball team are just not present this year because it's the same roster, more or less, that it's been for two years. It's the same Thank stuff we you. talked about it. It's, it's Luka Doncic, who has the same struggles and concerns and ways to improve um, in the same, you know, obviously magnificent brilliance. Uh, everything just feels so similar that this team, it's just it's something about it is not interesting to me so far. You can't even judge Jason Kidd. Well, so yeah. can I can I offer a a small counterpoint before I largely agree with you? On the yes. small picture level, I think there are some interesting things. There like, are. Seeing what Jalen Brunson is doing, very interesting. Seeing Reggie Bullock have some very quality games that suggest that, oh yeah, maybe he should be playing more minutes. Interesting. Frank Nilakina looking like a cog for at least right now. Interesting. What the team's you know, doing on defense is also interesting. Right. Interesting. The problem is, and you watch 
the game against Miami, and we'll get into that, but like the Miami game was not the Atlanta or the Denver game. The Miami game was had some moments where you're like, okay, this isn't terrible. Like they played one horrendous quarter that sunk a lot of things, right? But you can all, look at all these small things, but then you look in the bigger picture, and the two big questions that we have, as Tim said, and this is where I agree with you, have not been answered and are not getting answered for a bit, which is one, whatever's going on with Porzingis. Two, even if you have these small picture developments, do we know if Jason Kidd knows what to do with these small picture developments over the course of an 82-game season so that when they get to the playoffs, presumably, uh, that he will know how to make this team better, right? I could sit here and say, oh yeah, Reggie Bullock looks good, but if the minutes don't change or you don't switch out the starting lineup, which has become a real problem, uh, then is it really interesting if Reggie Bullock is a useful cog? If Frank Nilakina looks good in this sample and maybe even carries that over the course of the year, but he doesn't get deployed correctly. And I don't know what that correct deployment is, right? This is not me preemptively saying Jason oh, Kidd isn't FIBA Frank. Him. We need FIBA Frank. If FIBA Frank makes landfall in Dallas. And by the way, Tim, I got to say, you should have texted me. I could have given Frank good French places up in Plano. I know where Frank should eat up in North Dallas. I got him. Uh, well, but he lives down FIBA, here now. Can I so get that's, some? That's, that's, can I get I some got, French Rex? Come on, look, the best French place is Bullion, and it's not opening until 2022. And so I am uh, just patiently. I'm just saying, when he was that. saying he was staying in Plano and he didn't know where to eat, I could have, I could have let, I could have passed some knowledge. But anyway, larger, that's all from a Frank Nilakina Q and A I did. That's on the athletic. That's on the athletic. Athletic.com. Discount codes, etc. <laughs> but anyway, back Coming to back. Mavericks. Yeah, so the point go is, is go that yeah. even these small picture developments, which we could sit here and talk about, they are not affecting, like, it's still not an interesting big picture because the two things that will affect what this team is, we don't have any answers to so far. So I can't get that hyped about these small, oh, maybe this player is playing better, if I don't know how the head coach is going to use them or the, the Miami, The Miami game was such a microcosm of that because I'm just watching this team play without their two best big men. And I'm just looking at a team that is worse than their opponent. Miami yeah, was exactly. objectively yeah, yeah, clearly Miami, better. Miami might be the best team in the league right now. Like they're playing the best yeah. basketball. So I look at that and I say, am, am I supposed to be upset that the Mavericks are not as good as a team that they're I mean, not just, as good as? Should I should yeah. I be upset that shots are not going down that eventually right. they will? Because that is how stats and shooting works. I just, I have no, I have no strong feelings. I have no positive or emotion uh, or negative emotional swings watching a team lose to a team they should lose to, especially given the circumstances of like, they don't even have the two, like two players that would allow them some variance, allow them to play better than their talent. They are less talented. And without Kristaps Porzingis being someone who raises their ceiling and allows them to play better than a team that is better than them some nights, which I think that if they're healthy, that's a big question we have for them, not whether they're going to be better than the very best teams, but whether they can play with those teams and sometimes beat those teams. These are just questions that remain unanswered and, and remain without any data or any observations or gleanings that we can take from it. And and that's, it's just, it's kind of a weird place to be now, Almost a month into the, not quite that. I guess we're only three weeks into the season, two weeks into the season. We're seven or eight games, like almost 10% yeah. of the season, right? Now it gets right. late, early. They're four and three. I mean, look, they they feel like a 500 team to me. Like they're playing like 500-ish basketball. I don't think that they're going to wind up in the you know bottom seven in offense. And they're the 18th ranked defense, which, hey, if they're, they're in the middle of the, 
the pack defensively. I think everybody would say, hey, that's that's not awful. But you're right. It, it's hard to take too much away from a game that they absolutely should have lost. Yeah. And right? I mean, you watch not only that, but as Tim said, you know, if you watch how they lost again, they got blitzed in the second quarter. They yeah. played fairly evenly the other three quarters. The, you know, I, the, I was I was playing close attention to the fourth quarter because they're getting a little momentum out of the third. I'm thinking, all right, well, they make this interesting. They had no fewer than five threes in the first half of that fourth quarter that were great looks, and all of them missed, right? Frank had one. Sterling Brown had one. Tim Hardaway had two. Luke had one. You don't make a single one of those. Well, guess what? That's not really anything we can analyze. You got good shots. That's nice. They didn't go in. You didn't beat a team you shouldn't beat. Congrats. Move on. I, I wish we had better things to say, but unfortunately, that is the analysis right now. Right. And, and schedule wise, it, it is unfortunate. We, you know, schedule wise, we had to record this before this before the San Antonio game. But, you know, the only things I can imagine that would change what we're saying um, that could happen in that game is if they just get blitzed. Like if San Antonio just takes it to them some one way or the other. Um, yeah, that that would be that yeah. would be troubling. That would be concerning. And, and the ways that it happened would be concerning. Or if Chris Tupps is back and, and is on the floor and, and looks particularly um you know, if, if he goes off for 30 plus points, I, I think that's interesting in the context of, of how he does that. And, and we'll talk all, you know, talk all about that stuff. But I, I would say that so far, the, the big picture questions are are kind of what you laid out, Mike, is, you know, what what is, you know, we know the talent level of this team, uh, more or less, we know kind of where they fall and how well, you know, how well coached they're going to be, whether the coaching and the system and the, just the cohesion of this roster can come together in a way that's greater than the sum of its parts. That's a huge question that we're still very far away from answering. And uh, and I think even as the defense has been interesting, I think they're doing better things defensively. I like that they're a bit more aggressive on the ball. That you know they're they're choosing slightly more aggressive pick and roll schemes and ideas. It hinges around Porzingis. It, it doesn't even feel right to have a real conversation about the defense and in, in the big picture that we like to not just, Oh, they've played, they've played pretty well through seven games. We we could have that conversation, but, but I think the big question is how they're going to look for the season, how this defense will translate to the playoffs. And that has to, that conversation has to start with Porzingis. And that's why once again, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of stuck. So it's that's the same old song, picture. Tim, it's the same I know, old I know, song. I know. I know. And it's the and whole it's, time this it, podcast can, has existed. This is the song right, we've been right, singing. Right. And, Please and, keep and, listening to this podcast. Yes. <laughs> None of us, it, it, to, like, we will drive everybody off if we have another conversation about how the roster has barely changed. Yeah. We have had I that conversation it, on this podcast. <laughs> Goddamn, like, I, every, I'm sorry. every episode. I, 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 I'm not going to pretend I, I that Jalen Brunson is the, the ceiling raiser. Right. And I made while a joke he to my may be the most I, I valuable trade asset or whatever, I don't know, man. I, I don't I, think I've I don't think we've recorded a podcast where I haven't said the phrase as I often talk about on this podcast. Because because it's just it's the same it's it's the same circular conversations. This so, is, listen, this team is groundhog day. <laughs> they keep reliving well, the same events. It's a Kristop it's basically just one big Kristaps Porzingis pained face over and oh. over again. Okay, so Mike, that's, that's, he's there. Are some we talk about? Where do, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make Christops you choose, Mike. Where Ned Ryers? Where, where do we Where do we take this in a in an interesting direction? Should we talk about Jalen Brunson, uh, his emergence, whether he should be a starter, things like that? Um, or would you rather start off with Luca 
I dropped a fairly large, long, it was like 1600 words. I wrote it in one day, but you know, it it was, I I tried to go in depth with Luca and what we're seeing and what we're not seeing from him. I, I think those are two conversations we will have on this episode that are interesting. Start us off. Which one? Let's let's end on Luca because it always there will be no bigger topic than Luca. Yeah, let's talk about that's Jay called Lebron. a tease. Guys, stick yeah. around. Yeah. Stick around to the end of the show. That's why they pay us the media bucks. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Jalen Brunson. And uh, I don't want to tease too much about what we do here at D Magazine, but there will be something about Jalen Brunson for one of our uh, one of our maps folks coming next week that I have seen under the hood what is ha- what some of the data is and. I can submit that there is a case in which Jalen Brunson is interesting. I think the question is, though, like, you know, the last night, like, the, the, by far the best thing, if you want to take something for the Miami game, is Jalen Brunson looked phenomenal, right? He was He's a good player. Out. I think everybody, I mean, listen, everybody on this podcast, everyone knows that I really like Jalen Brunson. Jalen sure. Brunson isn't a difference maker, right? Like, they need, like, three guys that, that need to play ahead of Jalen Brunson. Do could I could that, argue that he's a bit more of a difference maker next to Luca, if you're able to pair those players that's more the often? Question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 aspect of this though that the follow up question that is, if you do that, because we saw what happened last night. The the nice part about pairing them, we don't know. It's a one game sample size, right? We don't know if that's the start of a trend or just a great night or whatever. But it says something that Jalen looked that good against the team that might be playing better ball than everyone else. The problem is when you move Jalen Brunson in the starting lineup, you have no bench scoring. And what are you going to do about that? And I, the more I think about this team, because there needs to be an inevitable strategic choice uh, to change the starting lineup. The starting lineup is not working, right? And there is the move, and you know, R.S. Doc Franco, who writes for us over at D, he brought up two ideas. There is the idea everybody wants, which is Kristaps at the five, you start Reggie Bullock, and you have a much smaller group. And in an ideal world, probably that's the right idea. But again, we return to the inevitable. We're not going to keep talking about this question, but is Kristaps' body going to do that dependably enough to let that happen? The other question... No, I think we could just say no. Probably not, but you know, whatever. It's until he is not on this roster someday in the future, whether that is next week or in 10 years, it will be the question we have to talk about. So if you're not going to do that, the other move you can make is move Brunson to the starting lineup. Or I guess Reggie Bullock, right? But really, the more I think about this, the more every move that probably needs to be made, assuming, and Tim can talk about this better than us because Tim is there every single day and Tim knows this team and they are working better than anybody. Assuming Tim Hardaway Jr. would be cool coming off the bench, I think a lot of things would work better if Tim Hardaway Jr. came off the bench. I don't know if for chemistry reasons or just happiness reasons or leadership council reasons, that is a thing that Jason Kidd can and wants to do. But if you're starting Jalen Brunson... I don't think defensively it works to have Tim Hardaway in the starting lineup with him, and it damn sure doesn't help your bench because you have no firepower left if you try that. That's interesting. I mm. I, I actually hadn't even contemplated. Like he feels so locked in as a starter that I think logically that that does make a lot of sense. Um, I also think it's a it's a so I think defensively is is that's a really good point. Um, in terms of moving Hardaway to the bench because, oh, you're going to get a little more shot. I mean, sure, I guess you'll stagger your minutes with Bronson and Luka. Right. And, you know, okay, that, so that part, not as well, much. I'm just saying Hardaway, Hardaway, I'm just saying Hardaway is on the, on the second unit because you're moving Brunson into the starting lineup is a panacea. It's, it's, a, it's a placebo. It, it, like, he doesn't, shot, he doesn't create shots on that level for that to make sense. I, I think the way that Brunson 
in the starting lineup makes sense is if you've got Goran Jogic coming off the bench, uh, if, if you've got another creator. Yeah. Like, they have to get another creator if they're going to manipulate the lineups in that way. Dave, it's it's fair to say that, that like, there is no, <coughs> like, the single most important skill in the NBA at this point is uh, high-level shot creation, right? Is that a yeah. fair thing to say? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's the only thing you really get, I mean, and Miami that's where you get the big four, bucks. Has, and Miami has four of those guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, because sure. I, I'm definitely counting Bam. I, I think you know he's he's a little more matchup dependent, but you know they've they've got a big man who does it in, in a unique way. I, I need to see um, more of it this year from Bam. I, I I wouldn't put him in that category yet. But but certainly be- between Jimmy and Hero and, and Kyle, Kyle Lowry, Lowry. who yeah. was a madman pushing them in that <laughs> yeah. Miami game, pushing he's been, pushing them. He's the been like, a monster, sprinting yeah. like a like shot from shot from a cannon, just in. That that was like I was I was courtside, you know. I had the the media seat on that one, and just seeing seeing it that close was just this dude is is covering ground at a ridiculous pace, like very obvious why he's dripping with heat. Very obvious. I think is the much better he would have made this team descriptor. But yeah, the the Mavericks have two of those players, and one of them is top three in the league or top five in the league. And again, not to tease too much, we'll talk about what he's uh what what we want to see from Luca. But only having two of those players means that, you know, you really need a third one coming off the bench if you're gonna start and both. And not of them just two, other, right? but it's like just... even I who are who even Tim and I who believe that Jalen could even if he's not the dif- the difference maker as you know Dave points out, he could still be more important than he was last year. But if you were to look at this pecking order, where would Jalen Brunson rank in that heat pecking order? Right? It's not just that the Mavericks don't have enough, it's that they don't have enough high level ones. Thank and you. that's yeah. So Somewhere, not, somewhere south of Tyler Hero, right? Very yeah, easily, right. Yeah, yeah. And below Bam, who we don't even know is, you know what I mean? Like, that's right. the that's the issue, right? Well, Porzingis I mean, is the only guy did, anywhere close to the level of guy that you need. And I'm not saying that like Brunson being a fourth or fifth starter is a bad thing. It's great. You need those guys too, right? If you get that from a second round draft pick. You have yeah, won. it's great. And a huge and he's a really not good a player. Jalen Brunson. It's not anybody hating on Jalen Brunson. Yeah, no, no, no. The uptick in our mentions about this. When he when the uptick in three point rate from him, I thought was a huge development for his game. It's going to make him more valuable on the court for them, uh, and open up stuff for him going to the basket and for the whole team. Like he just he has gotten better. He's a good player. He came in a good player. He's great as your sixth man. Awesome. But if you're if you're talking about moving Tim Hardaway Jr., who I mean Tim Hardaway Jr. Pretty damn good shooter, and Luca needs shooters. I mean, I, I just think that um, you you've got other issues at play that you need to think about. For like, why are you in the position to make that decision with that player, Jalen Brunson? Like, you're not. I mean, you, I, th- I think you guys are. Tim Hardaway is like him. what if, top ten if, shooter at his at his position in the league, considering volume is? and and and. Percentage, Tim Hardaway. I mean, he's very, very good yes, and yes, can do stuff yes. off the dribble. Yeah. I mean, the, the roster has the same problems. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. 
You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. If Brunson is the player he's been through the first seven games, then I think you guys slightly undersold that, you know, that is a, he has been a very dynamic. Yeah, but it's seven, it's seven games. It's Okay, well, you know. that's what that's what I'm saying. It's pref- yeah. it, it's prefaced around the seven games. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, no, no, no question. But yeah, I, I do think that he's he's been remarkably dynamic. And, and as we've said on this podcast, there it is. Um, you know, I, I think the way that he struggles is is against really rangy, larger defenders. And the Heat had some of those. I, I don't. I'd have to go back and look. I don't. I don't know how much Brunson was mostly doing the work he did on, say, Hero or Robinson versus uh, a Jimmy or a you know whoever else would have, or, or Lowry. But I I think that I, I guess I guess what I'm in in the big picture sense. What we're essentially saying is that it's good and important that Brunson is reaching even higher levels of dy- dynamism. And then you watch the Heat, and they've got four such players. And once again, the Mavericks are just running into a numbers problem where they don't have enough of this most important skill set that exists in the sport to spread around enough lineups. When you only have two players and a semi-third guy in Tim Hardaway and Chris S. Rzingis, who uh, you mentioned this, you mentioned something about him earlier, uh, Dave. No, he's not a shot creator. Like, we're moving no, on from that, right? We have moved on no. from the idea that he will do any shot creation of his own. At most, he will take a few post-up jumpers, but there is there is no creation he's going to do <coughs> that is high level in terms of we're consistent. He's consistently creating, you know, one point two points per possession uh, possessions. I guess that are a staple or backbone of what the Mavericks offense is intending to do. He will be, you know, even it's, it's really like this. It's like, even, even when he is creating his own shot, it's, it's the, it's, it's the end product of the Mavericks offense. Like everybody else runs around and, and creates the ideal situation for him to get a post up. And so if you want to say that, you know, maybe, maybe he makes a shot that ends up going unassisted, but you know, it's he's not, not him Kareem. creating that. I'm shot. sorry, man. He's not Kareem. Like, I'm, <laughs> what, we, what the hell are we doing here? Uh, it's it's already. I don't know. How many times do you think the Mavs have been on the phone or texted Daryl Morey just saying, "Hey, hey, let's just swap. Let's just swap this these headaches here." 
And I feel bad for the guy because I think, I mean, you know, like he just keeps getting hurt. Um, but he clearly needs to not be uh, somewhere uh, on a team that relies on him to be this important. It's right. just not going to work and out. And again, again, it's more about, I think what we've tried to do is is reframe this conversation around him and stop focusing on this idealistic, you know, concept of who people thought Porzingis would be with New York and say what he is is super valuable if he can do it and and remain healthy you know the the increased defense that we've seen and the rim protection rim protection you know floor right, spacing, right below yeah floor spacing, floor spacing uh rim protecting uh guy who can actually uh take advantage of a mismatch can attack a hard closeout he can he's fine he's a he's a good player when he's healthy and the health is an issue, but there's also the limitations of his game that I think, you know, put that a little bit of a ceiling on him compared to what people expected out of him. Safe to say, sure. fair, fair to yeah. say, I should say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think returning yeah. to Brunson real quick, which is where we've been. Yeah, you know, which is where the, we were. The other, the other aspect of this, you know, this idea of comparing him to the Miami pecking order in terms of a creator, whether it's, you know, whether it's Dave's end of the spectrum of it's seven games we got to see a lot more, which isn't wrong, you know, but for the purpose of this conversation, Dave's end of it or Tim's end of it of these are seven impressive games. The real issue that I worry about defensively is you look at Miami's guys, they can stay on the floor together because there's enough defensive uh, synergy and enough defensive talent to make this work. Whereas if you're putting Luca and Brunson and Tim Hardaway on the floor together, there's got to be a lot of heavy lifting from two other players. And that's just not going to work in high level situations. And it's just, that for me, when I look at the roster, is it's not even just the Porzingis thing. It's the you can mix and match, and so many players do. There are enough guys who do one or two things at a very high level. We've talked about this. I know we've talked about this, but there are just not enough guys who have enough of a blended skill set that they could fit in a bunch of different situations, right? And that's that's the scary part here. Is that like, yeah, you can you could talk yourself into a scenario, even if you talk yourself into the idea that Jalen Brunson has leveled up. That's great offensively, but what are you going to do defensively? And because, yeah, it's the idea that this team, even if they fix their offensive issues, and I think the three of us largely think things will be fine by the end of the year, right? You could vary what the ceiling will be, but I think they'll mostly be fine. It's, you know, but even if you get to that point, then you got to go into the playoffs and you will find other teams that have multiple creative outlets, more so than Dallas, and they won't have the defensive problems. And we're talking about the upper tier of each conference, right? It's not like you're six, you know, if they play, I don't know, um, what's a lower tier team in the Western Conference? Like if they, they run into like the Blazers, they run into the Blazers, you know, maybe they could circumvent that, right? It's not going to work if this team really wants to contend. And we've never thought that they could, but the problem is that you at least want to believe that you have a roster in place that's the foundation of that. And right now, I just don't know if there is because there's just too many holes with too many guys. Well, and then there's a side issue here with the Jason Kidd thing. It's that when you have a roster, it's the same roster, okay? But it it was already flawed, and now you've got a new coach, and you, okay, is it? Tell me, guys, is it the coaching or is it the roster? Yes, could be both, right? But you don't know because the roster is bad, and now I don't know. It's one of these things where this this sort of thing, like if it if it also is bad coaching, which 
Again, seven games, too early to tell. I don't know. Seven games of the not healthy lineup, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even I, the I'm most not, hardened kid yeah. skeptic can't blame I, I'm not so making any judgment much. calls on anybody until, you know, give me game 25. Even me saying right. Miami's the best team in the league, I just mean right now they're playing the best basketball. I, I, nobody's the best until I can see it. And so I just think that this kicks that can further down the road because you get through the season and it's like, okay, well, look, we've got to overhaul the roster. <laughs> Cool. All right. But all right. It, now you're going to go into next year and you're going to have to start evaluating your coach uh, to a certain degree, at least w- with the the product on the floor. You're going to have to start from scratch because the team is probably going to be different next year. <laughs> or wait, as we've said on this podcast before, maybe it won't. Right. So the other reason we're really talking about shot creation, obviously, and, and its importance and whether Brunson should be in the starting lineup is that. Luka Doncic is better at creating his own shot and scoring from mid-range in situations like this. He is less disruptive than he was two years ago as a athletic driving force of nature who would just consistently get within five feet of the rim whenever he wanted. His shots have been, you know, a large part of what I wrote on Monday was about how his shots near the basket continue to or, or have declined over over two seasons um, you know, I spent half that story setting him up as a as a wonderkind and a otherworldly player. Uh, I, ex- you know, do some little little cutesy writing about how otherworldly feels like the right term for him. And it's true. And it's all those things are true. And that's how I feel about him. But because, you know, when the Mavericks set the offensive record two years ago, they were able to do that because Luca single-handedly was able to do this offensive lifting and I think he's just a touch worse in that area, and and that has put, you know, the the, the same the same lack of shot creation out on on the rest of the roster. Um, it definitely helped that they had Seth Curry. That 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 was a big part of it. Um, but that that same lack of shot creation existed on that roster, and the spotlight was just not shining as brightly on it because Doncic was so otherworldly good at getting to the rim. If you have a player who can get to the rim that often. Like that's, that's the, that's the entire thing that, that is creating shots that creates shots for others that, that, you know, in, in, in more and more, he is definitely still creating shots for himself, but they're not ones that completely break down a defense to the point that, you know, you're kicking to a player who just needs to take an open shot. More often he's kicking to a player who's going to, you know, needs to do a little something with it. Is that, is that fair, Dave? I mean, look, I, what if it's a guy that just fell in love with the mid-range? You know, he added Maybe. a mid-range jumper and he's fallen in love with the mid-range. And, and you know, it's early in the season and he's – maybe he's working his way into shape. I, I don't – again, back to the 20, 25-game sample size, I, I don't want to just say – because, again, not healthy, all of the other things. I don't want to assume as of yet. But I will say this is something that we've talked about before. This season, um, I think it's more about falling in love with the mid-range than it is not being able to get to that shot. Because at this point, he's figured out that the NBA regular season really doesn't mean a damn thing. And how many wins is Luka Doncic worth right now? We're not sure yet because, I mean, this team hasn't been healthy. But, like, I don't know. It feels like 45 to 47, 48 wins is, like, his floor. I don't know. Does he need to work all that hard? I mean, I hate to be so 
cynical about it, but it, it's kind of just how the league is. So it's so hard to tell, and especially this early. I, I just don't know, but it could be a combination. And, and on that same of the note, like it is harder hard to get to the basket to the than it is, it is to hit that step back. It is. It is so hard to go to to take that physical beating every single game. It is very difficult. I read in the piece like one one thing I I didn't want to do is is like play the is he in shape game is Luca fat what I mean for all I know he intentionally bulked up because he was getting fouled so often and you know lost five percent of that extra stop start ability to you know shed defenders that that is how he did it two years ago we we've we've talked about his athleticism we understand what it represents and how he uses it functionally on the court to beat opponents. It's because he stops when at the other player before the other player, and he starts before his defender even stops going in the direction he had already stopped going in. And I just, I mean, from the eye test, I feel like he's not quite doing that like he did two seasons ago uh, during that during that season where thirty percent of his shots came right at the rim. And yes, it's the spacing uh, to some degree. Last season it was to some degree the spacing and, and the spacing this year. Uh, yes, it's that you know. There isn't a Seth Curry on the roster. Um, yes, it's that they're playing more two big lineups. Um, you know, yes, his shots are going to fall. There's, there's, there's a lot of qualifiers here. He's still a top five player in the world. But you know, if he's doing that slightly less, and and for whatever reason, I think there's a lot of reasons that are theoretically, you know, logically consistent with why it's happening less. But it does just slightly change the needs of the roster around him. I, I think that's the key. If, if this is the player he's going to be going forwards. It changes how you have to construct the roster around him to a degree. Okay. And but if, Tim, if he was hitting okay. 48% of his mid-range shots, roughly, or whatever, 49%, That's what he did last year. Ish, yeah. He hit 48% last and, year. And right right now, was he at like 38 or so in the mid-range? I think he was even lower than that when I pulled he the might numbers, be, he's but it was before the Miami game. lower than well, that. He's not Miami shooting as well. dipped it. Yeah. Yeah. If he was shooting as well for mid range, would this be the same conversation? Like, I, I know that it probably wouldn't have uh, maybe like their earnestness behind it, but I, I do think that this is this might just be a guy that likes that mid range jumper. He's yeah, good at fair. it, and and, the, and and I think the big reason we have this conversation is because if he was doing that that shot making from mid range and, and from three, and also getting to the rim as often as he was, like he's the best sure. player in the world. Done. Yeah. Done. And that's why yeah. we have this conversation. Yeah, I mean, I he think, was doing that in the Olympics. That wasn't that long ago. I, I'm just not worried. So it's, you know, like Tim said, we don't want to speculate on, on his conditioning one way or the other, right? We did run a piece at D a few weeks ago where we talked to his trainer, Andrzej Maciek, who I'm probably butchering that. Andrzej Maciek, Isdok wrote that one, uh, who works with the Slovenian national team and then worked with them after the Olympics. And it is worth noting that, you know, Luca had about two and a half weeks off the whole offseason, right? So I don't think there's a way for him to get horribly out of shape. I mean, I'm not a pro athlete. Maybe there's a way to do it in a very small amount of time in the 10 days between stopping his offseason workouts and going to camp. But I just don't think that's possible. I can't see a world in which he is less physically prepared than he was last year. In all likelihood, he's much more physically prepared. Now, we could sit here and say, is it fatigue? But this guy's 22. I feel like if we're going to see the fatigue, we're going to see it in April, not right now. So... That does make me inclined to, you know, put some weight behind Dave's hypothesis of it's a choice in the early going because, yeah, it is a beating. And this might be just a byproduct, too, of the lack of shot creation elsewhere. It's not like Luca knows other, you know, hey, I can go hard tonight and I can take two days off because 
somebody else on my team will go to the rim for me, right? You know, the whole, oh, uh, you know, the the, Le- you know, the LeBron-Russ thing. I am sure that LeBron knows the, re- the biggest advantage that Russ Westbrook will provide the Lakers is there will be regular season games. He will win them when everybody's tired and exhausted and Russ is a maniac. And he's like, nope, go to the rim 10 times tonight. Basketball times psychopath, tonight. man. I love it. Yeah. Exactly. Right. There is no guy here who can help Luka do that. So he could be pacing himself. Again, we are in the territory of small sample size, but it is, I think Tim is justified in looking at this and us looking at this data because it's been over a year now. Maybe it is just this is what he did in the bubble last year, and this is how he's ramping up this year. Just because it's just because it's a you know a season and a few games, that's not one constant period. There could be to- two totally different strategies in play here, right? We need to allow for that. But it is worth paying attention to. And I guess like the big picture question for you guys is, let's say at a hypothetical that this is real, that we go into the end of the season and we go into the playoffs and Luka isn't going to the rim too much. How much does that change the big picture calculus for this team? Hard to bend the defense if you can't penetrate. I mean, that yeah, it's basketball 101, you know? Drive and drive, collapse the defense, kick it out, right? Like you just don't have that option anymore. But much less getting the attempts at the basket, getting to the free throw line, which disrupts defensive rhythm, uh, which gives you a chance to catch a break, which gives you free attempts at the at points. Like I mean, there's so many things that go into going to the basket um, that are not just getting a layup or a dunk, and those won't be available to them because Luca is literally the only guy that can really do that on a consistent basis against. Just about any defender. Um, so I, I think that it, it will be important in January, February, March, April that he's doing those things so that they're they're able to do them in you know May and whatever. Yeah, but yeah, I think I, that's right. I, I'm not I'm not worried yet. But I mean, this was this did start last year, but we we all praised him for his ability to not only hit the mid range, but he, like he added it. It was in his, like, it is a part of his game. Right. Right. It was not just a guy having like, this was not just a guy having an outlier season. He's a legit mid range shooter now. And I think that that, that may be playing into this a little bit. Yeah. And if what I was saying drifted a little too close to criticism, it's, it's an examination. Yeah. What, what we've yeah, done yeah. is We're an examination. This is the player that Luca is. What does it mean? You don't or have to couch it. Like, it's been. our job. Our job is to right, say, hey, right, that's weird. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, any nobody else closing? was thinking about that, Tim. Good job. <laughs> well done. Any closing thoughts from y'all? Uh, I think we're I no. think we're just in that preamp. I mean, it feels weird to treat the, you know, to say that seven regular season games, like we're not in the preseason, but to call us a preamble is what this is. We're gathering is intel. Sure. We are gathering intel, right? This is this is why college football should not rank teams until a month into the year, because you don't know what you're dealing with. You need data. Right now, we've seen some interesting small picture developments, but big picture, not that interesting. We need Christoph Sporzingis on the floor to really start getting some answers. By the time you're listening to this, you might have seen him play a basketball game already. You know, look if so, you, if if you had asked me three weeks ago who's the best, who are the best two teams in the league, I would not have said the Warriors and the Heat. But if you ask me right now, I, they're playing like the best basketball. Ask me again in a month, and let's see how it goes. Right, Dave, I will ask you again in a month. I absolutely will. So turns out we did have stuff to talk about. I knew we did, but this was fun. I enjoyed it. Yes. Mike, Dave, thank y'all. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening. Don't fight the 
Yeah, that is a wrap. <laughs> Woo!